on episode 63 of the High Performance Leadership Podcast, From Squeegee to C-Suite, How Donovan Weldon Grew His Company from Scratch. You can't run a business off your charisma and your personality. You have to teach and instill and direct and guide and give hope, and then you have to act that way. You're listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast, insights and information from world-class leadership experts. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Randy Lane. Today we're talking with Donovan Weldon. He's CEO of Donovan Industrial Services out of Orange, Texas. He talks about building his company from the ground up, how he's defined his company's culture, and the importance of well-defined processes. And now, here's our talk with Donovan. All right, everybody, welcome to the podcast. Chip, welcome back. And we also have a Returning guest, Kent Hutchinson. Hey, Kent, how's it going? Hey, Randy, it's great to be back, my friend. And we have a special guest, Donovan Weldon. Donovan, can you kind of introduce yourself, kind of tell us about your background a little bit? You bet. My name is Donovan Weldon. Uh, we have three companies right now. We have Donovan Industrial Service, and I'll tell you the story behind the name. Certainly wasn't a, a mark of arrogance, but uh, an opportunity to put ourselves in business. And then we have ROTAP, which is an acronym for roll-off tanks and pumps. We offer frack tanks and things like that to industry. And then we have Pipeline Defense, which is a, another company that we sell products for both industries too. Uh, but the way we got started in the business was actually starting the business in 1984, pushing a squeegee. I, along with 24 other guys, were told to go into a tank and push squeegees. And back in those days, we had t-shirts and tennis shoes, and that was PPE, personal <laughs> protective equipment. And uh, so I looked up a little while later, there's about 18 of us. And what was I doing? Well, I was pushing the squeegee. Why was I pushing the squeegee? Because that's what they told me to go in the tank and do. <laughs> a little while later, I looked up and there's about 12 of us, same story, pushing the squeegee because that's what they told us to do. Next thing I know, there's one of us and that's me pushing the squeegee. Supervisor comes to the tank, shines the light in, sees me still in the tank, pushing the squeegee. He gets belligerent and asks me to get out of the tank very hectically. Uh, I get out of the tank and there's people laid out. There's a couple of ambulances there. They're picking up folks, bringing them to the hospital for heat exhaustion. I played sports in school, so I was pretty, this is right after getting out of high school, so pretty pretty in pretty good physical shape. But the bottom line is I did what I was told to do. And I did it like they told me to do it. And then from there on out, within 18 months, I was supervising one of the major plants there in, in the company I was working with and just grew through the ranks. I got up to a, a whopping 950 an hour as a supervisor. Uh, working, yeah, absolutely. I hope to be there uh, one day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'd like to all be there. Um, worked for those guys. Then I went to work for another gentleman who uh, had recently, he had had some financial issues, had to go back to work. I went to work with him. And, and based on my staying in the tank, pushing that squeegee is the reason he asked me to come be a partner with him. So I jumped on board with him. Uh, my wife and I were fixing to buy our first home. And so that was a battle. Do I buy the home, the nest, the place that, that our wives want us to conform to? Or do I take this money and I go invest it in a business uh, that we had saved up for the home? Uh, and I convinced her that if uh, she didn't let me try, I would never know. So we launched, uh, went to business with another guy. I was a minority shareholder. Over the course of the time, we built up, either bought or sold or combined a total of 17 companies. One day, he asked me to leave. Being a minority shareholder, he was the boss. Now, the truth is, if he hadn't taught me everything he taught me, he's a very, very intelligent guy, very smart in the business, taught me everything I know. But if he wouldn't have taught me, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today. So he taught me a tremendous amount about the business. Along the way, we had had an incident in one of the facilities that we worked in. And it was a matter of, do, we, do, we, do they keep us as the contractor or do they kick us out? And 
we were at a big conference table with a bunch of suits and they were debating over, uh, I was the only representative for our, from our company and they were debating on whether they keep us or not. And it was heated and it was going across the room. Keep them, don't keep them, don't. Finally, uh, one gentleman slammed his hand on the table and we're he said, we're keeping them. And somebody else said, why? And the guy said, because they are the best of what's available. Well, that said to me, I'm just the best turn to punch boat. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, so one of my slogans going forward is in my business was now you have a choice. I don't want to be a choice. I want to be the choice. Some of those early examples of of what happened in in the early years of my business established some things that we did moving forward that, that made us able to be the choice. And so one evening, uh, my partner walks in, looks across at my desk and says, hey, I don't need you no more. And I laughed and asked him, go ahead and go do something else. I've got things to do. Two weeks later, he walks in my office and says, hey, I really don't need you. <laughs> I said, well, write me a check. And this is the guy that taught me everything, taught me everything I know. Just yeah. he, he, I guess he, he asked me to leave. I went home and told my wife that I was without a job. I was a younger fella. I was giving her the man talk. I'm going to take care of our family. I'm going to feed our family. You can count on me. Don't worry about a thing. And uh, she looks at me. She says, well, you can't work for no one else. And at first I thought she was saying, you're too much of a smart aleck. You're too <laughs> cocky. You're too arrogant. You know, as, as sometimes we can be as, as younger men, we know everything and got the world by the tail. And then the next thing she said to me was, uh, you don't need no one else. You can do it on your own. Most men look for that defining moment in their, in their relationship with their spouse that says, I believe in you or I affirm you, and and we search for that hard and diligent, and sometimes we hardly ever hear it. Uh, But that was one of those defining moments for me that that Bobby says to me, I believe in you. So we were both crying, and and I said, okay, I'll do it, but if I do it, you got to do it with me. She said, you don't need me. We bickered back and forth about that, and then I said, and then I convinced her to come along, and we were going to do this together. So that's what we did. During this time, there were other struggles, but you, you overcome those. And, and with the support, you know, my, my, my support has been my spouse. One of the things that I thought when, when I went home and told Bobby that I had lost my job is that my family was going to desert me or leave me because I wasn't the provider, the supporter. And that was the furthest from the truth. So I left there, found another partner. We, we started the business again. Two and a half years, I had three offers to buy us. I attribute that to presenting our business in a manner that now you have a choice. In our driveway, when you drive up in our driveway, there's a station that you stop at and there's four whisk brooms on the door. And you pick up a whisk broom, you sweep out your truck, you empty the trash, you put everything where it goes. There's the shelves that we keep the shelves. I've never been in the service, been asked many times have I ever been in the military, but we keep everything organized and set. And when you come in, you load out. When you go out, you load out right. When you come in, you put it back right. But it's that consistency and that determination and that drive that generates the believability in themselves to desire to meet those expectations. You know, that's what we do today. Went through there, started Donovan Industrial. The reason I called it Donovan Industrial is uh, when I answer the phone, I say, this is Donovan. People say, well, do you have a last name or you like share? Do you only have one name? (laughs) Well, I have two. But in my little world, the industry that we're in, people know Donovan not Donovan Weldon. And so I had to go to work to feed my family. So I, I put my name on it. So that's the second reason, you know, first of all, I want you to have a choice, the choice. Secondly, you know, if your name's on it, then you got to go out and you got to produce, but it's the accountability, the expectations and the consistency in those expectations and your walk. If I expect certain things out of our company and our employees and the representation, then I expect that out of me too. If you're not consistent in your leadership or your expectation of the company, 
then you can't expect your employees to be consistent in that either. Part of the process of teaching them consistency and character and ethics is if, if I can empower them a little bit more in their believability in themselves, it increases their hope. And a lot of times we are where we at because that's where our daddy was and that's where our grandpa was and that's where his grandpa was. And, and sometimes we just need a little bit of hope, a little bit of edge, a little bit of capturing some believability in ourselves some confidence in ourselves so that we can step out of where we're at and move forward. Well, it sounds like so, you have a, a great background, a great history, and obviously we see eye to eye on a number of things. But let me ask this, and we ask every one of our guests that comes on, in your career, uh, whether it's where you're squeegeeing out or whether you, where you're at right now, do you have an example of what you would consider exceptional leadership skills in someone, whether it's someone that's worked for you, uh, someone that currently does, someone you've worked for, and then obviously contrast that with have you ever been around, worked for, um, been associated with poor leadership, and, and what does that look like to you? I think consistency is the key. You have to always expect the same thing out of me if I'm going to be a good leader. And in contrast to that consistency is I told you I had three offers to buy after the second two and a half years, and I sold to the third offer. The guy bought our company because of the leadership and the management team that was in place at our company. And he told me that later. He said, I bought you for your team. And then he hired me, asked me to come on and run the company. There were three other operating managers that were also owners. And two of the key guys were in a bickering contest. One was very charismatic. Uh, the other had been in the industry for a long time. But to me, he lacked he incredibly lacked leadership skills. There was nothing consistent about his behavior. There was nothing consistent about his expectation. His reason for telling you to do something was because I told you so. And because I'm the boss, look at my card. It says it has my title. There was nothing that exemplified his capacity to lead. He only led because he had a title. He expected you to follow his title, not his leadership, not his example, because he did not set the example. And those two, because of their differences, just created a lot of friction. And prior to us coming on, those were the leaders. So I really didn't do anything different except step between them and then try to cause some character, some, some balance to rub off and keep them from fighting with their personalities. One of them had a dominating personality, very charismatic, like I said, but you can't run a business off your charisma and your, your personality. You have to teach and instill and direct and guide and, and give hope. And, and then you have to act that way. Even though they had their strong points, they, they weren't consistent in that. So on a day-to-day -day basis now, how does your organization develop their leaders? What kind of culture have you created in terms of leadership development? We work off the premises of multiplicity, and I may be using that word wrong. If I pour into you, then I expect you to pour into others. And at some point, if we don't continue to pour into ourselves, we become empty. So therefore, we have to pour into ourselves independently, as well as into each other and sharpen each other. And the expectation is that our frontline management pours into our field techs and our operators and, and those guys. So the purpose of extending hope and building quality in their lives. And so that's what we do. We, we pour into each other. We have a book study. I just finished reading uh, No Limits by John Maxwell. I'm reading uh, Lead for God's Sake now. We have various offers, but Maxwell is a, is a great study. We do uh, masterminds with our management team. And then what we'll do is, is two or three of the managers will take the book and they'll take key principles and they'll write them on the wall. We'll have discussion. Uh, we'll have occasionally we'll do an essay of a topic. The, the employees would get an award, uh, a cash reward based on a, a, a choice, a selection. And the choice is always selected by an outside and independent party. It's not 
necessarily chosen by our management team. We have a biased opinion of what the expectation is based on us already reading the book or studying that particular topic. And so we get an outside party that a banker, an attorney, our insurance agent, somebody like that, that has this, that's done well for themselves already too. Not only does he do that essay, but he's a, right now, one of the things that I was impressed with Chip, when I went into their facility uh, there in Orangefield, Texas, is uh, he also has a quote where, I mean, you talk about every employee participates. You want to talk about your quote contest and how that sure. kind of, and what, and what the winners get and where, where does those quotes go? So we have an annual quote contest. We check it for plagiarism as best we can on the computer. Uh, everything goes to a clerk in the office. The names are hidden. It's put on an Excel spreadsheet. Everyone who submits gets drawn for, for up to three $100 bills of, uh, for participation. And then then they'll go out to our, again, the same selection of all go, attorney, preacher, banker, uh, insurance agent, people like that. And they'll, they'll narrow down their selections. And I'll keep sending the others, everybody's selections until we get down to about 15 people. And of all the quotes, then I select, and all the names are hidden. So we don't, we don't know who's actually submitting the quotes. Then I'll, out of all the quotes that are submitted, also I'll select one that I just can't let go of. And so we call that the presidential award. And then our judges select first, second, third, and 12 runner-ups. And then we post those on the walls, in the hallway, up the stairwell, in nice frames for the whole year. And Kent's given me a good suggestion is to take our annual quotes and, uh, put those in a little uh, booklet to hand out to our, our clients and then, you know, uh, quotes from our, from our guys. But I just uh, think it's, it's neat that he, Chip, I mean, it's frontline employees. I mean, it's open to everybody in the company. And so what I see Donovan doing is he's taking his leadership skills and his experiences, and he has shared it not only with his frontline managers, but it goes all the way down to their entry level employees are exposed to leadership development from day one. Yeah, that's awesome. My son, last year, my son won two out of the three top prizes and the presidential award. I never <laughs> Sounds saw rigged. Sound, <laughs> I, something yeah, smells, exactly. something smells around exactly. here. Exactly. Uh, but, but I attributed that to, you know, he lives with it. It was a confirmation to me, affirmation that, you know, I strive to be consistent in, in the leadership and the development of folks. It presented itself in that. More than I know rubs off on people. And that's why I think the consistency is so important because you never know who you're impacting or, or influencing. So Donovan, uh, the people at home can't see, but you're literally sitting in front of your name. You talked earlier about putting your name on it, you know, you wanting that ownership. How do you instill the same ownership that you have in the company in the people that work for you? How do you share your vision in a way that they will buy into that vision? Okay. So I got bought in 07. I bought it back in 10. And our first year back in 11, I uh, made more money than I've ever made before. So I'm sitting there looking at my tax return and I look at the money and my wife walks in because she works here with me. She makes sure our money gets in the bank. I, I told her, said, this isn't ours. We facilitated, we directed, managed, took the risk. I, I understand the, the risk situation. Uh, I have debt. I told her it wasn't ours. So we took half of our profits, which was us, like I said, it was more than I've ever made before. And we gave it to our employees in our community. And so if you give back, my role is not to make money. I got to pay my bills just like we all do, right? <laughs> but our goal or objective is to grow people. The side, the sideline of growing people is revenue producing people. But I don't do it to make revenue. I do it to grow people. And, and people take care of your clients. They take care of each other. We do the quote contest. There's consistency throughout. Our four core values are safety, personnel, presentation, and production. If we provide a safe working environment, which we strive to do diligently, and we hire the right guy or the girl, 
And it does start with a hiring process. Uh, I don't want to hire anybody that you don't want to work with. And so we're very picky on our hiring process. And then we present. Uh, we have some strict rules. Shirt tails tucked in, no earrings at work because we wear respirators and things of that nature. Our trucks are always clean and presentable. Trash doesn't fall out the door when you open the door. The worse you keep your equipment, the worse your folks are going to treat it. So the better you keep your equipment, the better it's going to be treated. So the consistency in, in how you, the expectation. So our four core values, safety, personnel, presentation. If I have safety and I have personnel and I have presentation, production is inevitable. So we teach that. And so a guy calls and he says, Hey, I need, I need a vacuum truck. So we send a truck out there. We send uh, Jonas. Jonas goes out there on the truck and works his good hard day and comes in. And guy calls back a few days later, said, I need a vacuum truck again, but I, I need Jonas. You know, so we may be vacuuming out a pipeline or, or transferring water out of a frack tank or, or cleaning the tank or something like that in the industrial service business. But you got to send Jonas back. Well, Jonas is on another job. I'll send Bill. So you send Bill on the vacuum truck. Bill goes out there on the vacuum truck. Guy calls back a few ladies later, says, I need to drop vacuum truck, but you got to send Bill. Bill's <laughs> not available. Then send Jonas. <laughs> send the We'll send Kent. So we get Kent on that vacuum truck. We send the truck out there. The guy calls back and says, I need a vacuum truck. It don't matter who you send. They're all the same. <laughs> but just, so don't <laughs> just don't send Kent. Don't send Kent. When you got a bunch of guys going in tanks, coming out hot and sweaty and in 120-degree tanks, and they're high-fiving each other because of the production they just did, we're doing something right. And I think that is adding value to them on a daily basis, treating them with respect and dignity giving them something to work for, something to hold on to, being consistent. They know our four core values. They know the expectation. They all carry coins in their pocket that exhibit our four core values. For our listeners, they don't know that we're on a Skype call, so we can see you. So you just held that coin up. Tell, tell me about that. So this coin, is uh, it has our four core values, safety, personnel, presentation, and production, and a picture of our backing truck on the back. And on the front, it has our logo and the slogan, now you have a choice because we want to be the choice. Uh, and of course, we're in Orangefield, Texas, and very proud of that and our upbringing here. This isn't a one-time safety award. Hey, you've been here 90 days or you've done a good job. We're going to give you a coin. This is a perpetual, which means consistent, ongoing, full-time, perpetual coin. You put it in your pocket. We ask, do you have your coin? They pull the coin out. Their thumb may be on presentation. What have you done today to improve the presentation of our company? And they tell us if it's, if it's adequate, they get a gift card. If it's not, they don't. We ask probably three three to five times a week but we only give out four cards so you're only getting four cards a month one card a week but it's a constant reminder of our expectation and they know that we're not going to hire someone that's not compatible with our environment and our culture and if we do hire somebody that is able to talk their way into us they don't last long so look there's been people that we recover and i say that not that we're the um Almighty recovering company, some people just need a little hope and and they can blend in, get in. And I tell people, get in where you fit in and show up where you show out. And that's what happens a lot of times. But sometimes folks just don't make it here and they don't make it here because they don't they don't believe in us. They don't believe in each other. When I go into a tank with five other guys to push a squeegee, I want to go out with five other guys pushing a squeegee. I don't want to be the last one in there. <laughs> and so we teach and instruct and care for them in a manner that they want to be the last one to come out. You know, nobody's going to go out before me, <laughs> you know. Do you have a, an issue recruiting talent? I mean, you mentioned hiring is a really 
important and it's part of your strategy and part of the growth of your organization. So is that an issue in the industry that you're in or where you live? I think so. And I think it is for most folks, especially if you're trying to hire talent by culture. If you're needing a warm body, you can find warm bodies anywhere, but we don't have a line outside the door waiting to get in. But we also don't have a, a revolving door. We have folks been here over 10 years. Our first 10 year employee, we took to Vegas. Now we had a training class in Vegas too, but he got to go alone. <laughs> He'd never been in an airplane, never been in a limo, never been in a, a, a restaurant like the one we went into. We gave him some opportunities and we were able to share that with him that he may have never experienced. Sure. And so this year I have four tenure employees. So in addition to the first one, so we, I don't think I'm going to take four people to Vegas, but we're going to do something. Yeah. <laughs> if you go to Vegas, I think you need to bring a consultant with you. <laughs> yeah. uh, absolutely. <laughs> well, one thing that we say and big believer in it, that leadership is about a relationship. It's not about managing people in blocks of roles and responsibilities or control and demand, but leadership is about having a relationship with the people that work with you shoulder to shoulder. It's not about dictating their behavior. And if you can build a relationship and trips like that to Vegas show mm -hmm. a level of appreciation and gratitude and empathy for someone that goes a lot further than a 10 cent increase in their pay or, sure. you know, an extra couple days of paid vacation. It's showing that you care about them and that, that you have a relationship with them and they'll follow you if they feel that. Would you agree? I agree. We meet every morning at 6.01. At 6.01, you're late. Consistent. Six o'clock is our is our start time, but we give you a one-minute grace. Um, <laughs> but on the board, on the board, we there's always a quote. And a lot of times, the employees will put a quote. But one thing that's constant on our board is polite, humble, respectful, appreciative, and of good appearance. And we want that because we want that to be the constant, the consistent behavior that, that our clients get to experience with our folks out in the field. But the neat thing about it is Wednesday mornings, I get to share with our folks and I do it every Wednesday morning. And I think that's important. It's important to me that I, that I be there. I'm not needed for the leadership or the development, but it's important for me to be there. Now, you know, if you're running a 2,800 employee company or a 5,000 employee company, you can't be there at six o'clock in every location and every morning, but they can believe in your values. And you can demonstrate by your leadership consistently enough that your values are, are solid, the expectations are consistent, and you can do that by your programs, your what they know about you, what they read about you, and, and occasionally you should go down if, that, if you call it down uh, <laughs> to the field level, to a remote office and, and walk around. Yeah. And, and feel your folks. When I was younger, I worked for a, an incredible guy. His name was Jamie Edwards, a great guy. And when he would come talk to you, it was it, it would be like, wow, I got to talk to Jamie today, you know. And, I, and I, I know that sometimes if I go on a job site or something like that, uh, one of the guys will share with one of our other managers, you know, that I came by and, and looked on his job and, and told him he was doing a good job, to, you know, whatever. And I'm still not comfortable with that, but, you know, I'm going to do it every day. They appreciate that. Uh, but it's, it's again... It goes back to that consistency. Yeah. So what's uh, what's the future for your organization? How do you plan to continue to develop your company and your leaders inside of your company? And what's where are you headed? Well, we hope continued up. One company is a startup. And I anticipate that in, in a few years, it'll be turning some good revenue and growing some good folks. If you value the consistency and the leadership in your folks, then it's, it's almost addicting and it's hard to let go. And what I've learned over the last year is that if I'm going to spend the time and I'm going to train these folks, then I need to let them go and do their job. 
and they do not need my input. If what they've seen is consistent and steady and they can count on it, I need to let them go do it. And a uh, struggle for me, but a must for our company. The more I let go and let the guys lead, you know, I have to continuously pour into myself and, and grow myself because I have to learn new things and they need to learn new things, new strategy, new personal development. And so if I stay where I'm at with them, I'm not doing myself a service, nor am I doing them a service. And I have to let them go. I have to grow myself so I can pour more into them, allow them to uh, continue to pour in our folks. But I have found that the more that I've trusted the personal development, trusted the training, trusted my leadership and the consistency in them, the greater they do. Donovan, you talked earlier, I mean, you've, you've, you've talked about servant leadership and and how you serve your employees and your employees serve your clients and it's about servant leadership and you've talked a lot about accountability can you talk about another another item that i shared with randy earlier offline is about your accountability your employee pledge uh, that you have every employee so you hire them right you you mentor them you coach them but you also have an accountability where you have them sign a pledge and you do something very special with that pledge mm -hmm. as well. You mind sharing with uh, the audience what you do? Back when I told you the story of Bobby and I standing in the kitchen, I just lost my job, giving her the man talk that I was going to take care of her and our youngins. And then I committed to her. She committed to me. And then we started the business. And so we feel like we're committed. Uh, we're committed through our consistency and our leadership, through our, our practices, through the integrity in which we run our company. And, and so we present and offer a commitment to our folks. I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm coming to work just like you do. And we're going to make things happen. So our employees take an oath of commitment. And the oath of commitment says that I'm committed to safety and no one will get hurt. Not on my watch. I'm dedicated to the company and nothing will happen to damage our reputation. Not on my watch. And I'll be loyal to my team and do my part when called on. No one will have to carry my load. Not on my watch. And so part of that oath process is they got to hear the story. Why I say now we have a choice. Why do I want our trucks parked straight? Why do I want our trucks clean? Why do they have to wear the shirt tails tucked in? The beginnings, how we started the business and that Bobby and I are committed as owners of a business that we're committed to them, then, then I expect a commitment back from them. And, and if we're going to pour into them, then I need them to pour back. They signed the oath. I signed the oath. It's actually a physical oath. I, I say to them, and we do it quarterly, and all new hires that, that may or may not have been hired in that quarter participate in the oath. But I, I say, I'm committed to safety and no one will get hurt. And they repeat, not on my watch. And so after that, we take this oath. It's a certificate. It's called Oath of Commitment. We hang it on the wall, and our hallway is full of these oaths. Such as wide. So it demonstrates not only are, are we committed as managers and leaders in the company, but our employees are committed. And then on top of that, the every employee is given a coin at that point. That's when they get their coin, when they take their oath, which also has the phrase, not on my watch, on the coin. And then we get a blue band. Everyone wears a blue band that says, not on my watch. And they get a, a wallet card. So when that client asks Bill and, and Kent and those folks, why is everybody good? They pull out their, they pull out their coin or they pull out their wa a wallet card and they get to share the story of our oath, which adds value to us as a company. I think in turn adds value to our clients because they're getting that quality of employee to serve them. I like it. I think it's yeah. great. It's Absolutely. very interesting that, you know, you said earlier you, you weren't in the service, but a lot of the, the techniques and the tricks and the things you use <laughs> are things that I remember from my days in the military and the, the coins and 
the idea wow. that, you know, if you don't tuck your shirt in and you don't look appropriate, then that reflects on your whole division, your whole department. And so you would never want to do that because you don't want to let your guys down. And that's kind of one of the motivating factors. You know, a long time ago when, when I was very young in the business, I was in a shutdown trailer and we were waiting on the unit to come down so that we could go into the unit and work. I think I was about 21. And I was talking to the guys, a couple of the guys may have, young men were going through a divorce. You know, my deal is, you know, we just don't do that. Just trying to give them options or talk to them. And, and one of them says, would you quit using all that psychological bull stuff on us? Uh, book that psychological book stuff on us <laughs> and I had never read a book at that point on leadership or d- personal development so I think some of it is innate or inherent I tell folks a lot of times you know you got to do stuff do what your mama told you to do like your grandpa would have done I think there's a lot of value to that mamas don't steer you wrong and papas always did it right you know <laughs> well and, and we had we had good high school teachers too you got to think about that we had some pretty good <laughs> teachers and coaches in Orangefield. <laughs> Absolutely. That's right. (laughs) My grandpa could out shovel me anytime, but he had always put his shovel up old, filed, and wrapped. And I'd get out there and try to compete with him with a a shovel out of my shop. And he would just sit there and grin at me and shovel away because he prepared his tools appropriately to do the job and uh, outdo me every time, you know? Absolutely. It's always great to meet people that focus on company culture, focus on building their people, have great systems and processes in place to develop people, not just as individuals, but as emerging leaders in their organizations. And so I tip my hat to you and say, congratulations on your success. I'm not surprised based on everything you've just told us and what you've been able to build. And so I really appreciate you coming on today's podcast. Hopefully we can have you back again in the future. Sounds hey, great. Uh, hey, before, we get, before we go, Donovan, what's the latest book you're reading? I'd like to know what your, your uh, latest book, because I like to add to something to my library. Uh, I'm reading Lead for God's Sake, but we just finished No Limits by John Maxwell. Okay. Great. Hey, Donovan, have you ever read Extreme Ownership? By Jocko Willink. I have. We finished okay. that. Uh, actually, the guys just finished that. Yeah. I was thinking you'd get a kick out of uh, that. that I like like you read it already. That was a mastermind group. I like that the guy that he ties the war, the battle into a business application. You know, mm-hmm. our folks. I gave them an opportunity to read that book and share with us the aha moments on their own because sometimes the masterminding you have to give that a break, guys. You can't drive forever. You got to let them breathe. So. <laughs> Yep. So we let them just read that on their own. They had to finish it by the end of July, and uh, which they did, and just share with the group. We have a, a monthly meetings, and they on those they give their aha moments on the book. All right. Good again. Deal. Well, thanks. Thanks man. for coming on. Thank we you. really appreciate it. We'll talk again soon. You bet. Thanks for listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us. Every little bit helps. Our website is hpleadershippodcast.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hpleadershippodcast. Follow us on Twitter at hpl underscore podcast. And shoot us an email at podcast at 360solutions.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.